get it twisted. Yeah. And hey, I'm wearing my flash shoes today, so you know I'm oh, feeling wow. ex extra super. I'm feeling a bit naked. With I my just got with, these lame with my socks. socks. Holy crap! Anytime it's game time, like if I have a big presentation with a big crowd, my flash socks go on, so that I know that you know there's a little bit of the superhero underneath. I'm ready to pull it out if need be. All right. Well, I, I you just might have to. You might have to. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Steel Entrepreneur Show. We have Marco Pasqua nice. with us, <laughs> and it is episode 38, 38 for the record. Yes. Marco is an entrepreneur, he's a speaker, he is a man of many talents. Here I am going off the script. Oh, I gotta stay nice. with the script or we're gonna start that, over no, here. We'll again. be good, we'll be good. I believe in you. <laughs> what makes Marco so unique in my eyes, though, is not so much any of that and it's the reason I have him on the show today. Cool. He's an incredible connector of human beings, and through this, he's been able to create a personal brand for himself, which has him rubbing shoulders regularly with some of Vancouver's and Canada's biggest CEOs. That's true, right? You were that that is actually that. very true, Okay, because yes. now I've got you on. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, you know, I have now. to keep myself authentic and honest. <laughs> People that, Quite frankly, um, you know, you were talking about some of them that I would love to be in the room with. And it's sure. through that that I was just like, holy shit, how is this guy doing this? I need to have him on the show. Great. Cool. Well, here so, I am. And today you're on location in my house. Yeah. Right. I, you know, I didn't even think about that. We, yeah. we aren't in the normal location. No. Uh, Danny, as you'll soon discover, you've already discovered, I don't have any furniture anymore. So we're, oh. it's all going to be different next right, time. You'll right, see. Right. It's going to be kind of cool. So Marco... Tell me, tell those who pay attention yeah. who you are. Uh, yeah, who's so who's Marco? Wow, yeah. it depends on what angle you're kind of going at. But um, I, I guess, as you said, I'm a connector of people. I've always loved um, the idea of taking somebody's natural born talents, skills, and really being able to work within your, your natural abilities to try to find and help other people. I basically wanted to build a business out of helping other people discover their full potential. So um, that has kind of played a part in who I am as a person because uh, growing up, uh, I was, well, I don't know, people can't tell on the camera, but I use a wheelchair, I have cerebral palsy, I have a disability that affects my two legs and my right arm. And with my dad being an immigrant, you're stealing um, all my goddamn questions. Well, I'm sorry, Matt. I'm sorry. I won't go into too much <laughs> you're detail. Already done, you like, said you question three, said, question four. <laughs> boom, boom. You said tell a little bit about. So, sorry, go so ahead. essentially, that builds into how who I've become as an entrepreneur is understanding uh, struggle and challenge, yeah. and basically building off of that to find solutions within those struggles and challenges. I'll stop there so that we can get to your <laughs> questions. Yeah. Cool. All right. One of the things that that um, I learned during. Um, my research of you, just you know, looking online and okay. talking to folks, um, is you you started making appearances in front of large groups on TV, on yeah. radio from a very very young age. Yeah. How how young? I wasn't uh, able it to was uh, I was about nine years old the okay. first time that I started making like appearances. Like a child celebrity. That's kind of how it goes. <laughs> yeah, especially because uh, telethons back in the 90s were a really big thing. I've literally as... never seen a telethon. Yeah, and that's the thing is that they were huge Have in the 90s. Have you seen a telethon? 
you know, what yeah, is, I don't know. A so a telephone is, is, is a fundraiser um, that is televised. Yeah. Uh, and they used to be between 22 and 24 hours long, where you would show segments or clips oh, about yeah. a particular cause. You know, you see ones for uh, Children's Hospital and yeah, things yeah, like I've this. I've seen that on Seinfeld once. That's right. There you go. So, <laughs> so you know it's legitimate. Um, <laughs> but they don't. They don't really do telethons anymore. But back in the day, they would choose a, for lack of a better term, and I and I don't want to blast on this at all. But they would choose a poster child, yeah. somebody who the funds would be raising for has directly impacted or their yeah. family. Makes sense. And I was asked one year, and I do have a clip on it on my website actually, the, the time I was asked, where I'm on stage talking to a legendary Red Robinson. He's a local radio host. He's yeah, the yeah. guy who first interviewed He's an old um, the Beatles. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The Beatles, Elvis Presley when they first came to Canada. Yeah. Um, and so Red was interviewing us and I was showing the audience, because it was nationally televised telethon, uh, my check for $100, which was a big deal for me because I was giving back money to an organization that helped me to go to summer camp with somebody with a disability yeah, as a yeah. kid. And he goes, oh, that's that's fantastic. You know, you're so good at promoting this right now. Like, I think it'd be fantastic if you come back next year and do what we call promotions. Would you like that? Yeah. And next thing you know, I was the what they called the Timmy for the Timmy's Christmas Telethon, which is essentially the name they gave to the ambassador. I ah, think okay. it's based on Tiny Tim. That sounds terrible, but it isn't. It was for a great cause. And they would fly me out to the Queen Charlotte Islands and various places to be that ambassador, that representative of why it's so important to give. How do you think um, you hear about like um, the celebrities and stuff like that talk yeah. about how that was a it was tough to start as early as they did, and that mm -hmm. had some both positive and negative sort of ramifications sure. in their later life. Yeah. How, how do you think, if at all, those early experiences, those early, that early exposure mm -hmm. shaped you? Oh, big time. Uh, actually, for the positive for me, because I realized that sitting, like, they used to make a big deal out of it, so they would go to the Queen Elizabeth Theater and have hundreds and hundreds of people sitting in the, in the live audience. That's here, right? That's here, right, yeah. in, Va in Vancouver. Yeah. But then uh, from there, they would be broadcast on, um, I think it was CBC TV at the time, so it was across Canada, which was really neat. And I remember being a young kid, not really quite understanding television as a whole, just knowing what I watched on TV, but then realizing there's these cameras, there's these people, and they're hanging on every single word I'm saying. And the cool thing is, is that they're, they're laughing because I'm this cute kid saying these things that matter to me, but I realized you could turn television and radio into something positive. Many times we focus so much in the news about what's going on negatively, and it was in those moments where I'm seeing this host with this mic in my face and this camera looking at me saying, what do you want to say to the audience and to the world that I realized, hey, this could literally, maybe not in these terms because I was young, but this could be a soapbox for you to really yeah, advocate kind of for the things you... For That's right. So we don't have to be focused on the things that are negative in the world. We can actually use this as a way and as a platform to um, push a positive agenda, for lack of a better term. So. When, you, when you get in front of these, like you've now done it for so many years, yeah. how has your approach in front of the camera... Sure. Um, radio, whatever it may be, yeah. um, 
how do you think your approach has changed over time or how is it morphed or how sure. has it progressed or yeah i think it's evolved from the aspect of um you know i'll be completely honest in saying that even to this day before i go and do a big talk i get a little bit of anxious or a little bit of excited nerves yeah. and i love that because when i was younger i didn't know how to harness that and that's where the q principle comes in but i'll explain that a little bit later um is understanding that whether it's an audience of 500 people or five people it's yeah. about making that personal connection and as i grew into it I learned more how to make that connection with both the interviewer, but also with the audience as though I'm just speaking to my best friend in my basement about why it matters. Because it's that authenticity that I, I always talk about in my written work and in my speaking that really makes a difference. People connect with you, not because of what you're selling it, but why you're selling it. What's the reason behind it? So if you can actually have a direct correlation or tie into why it matters to you, that's why somebody will buy your chocolate bar versus the next chocolate bar, right? It's making that authentic connection and that is something that I've only learned over time. Do you think, uh, you, you mentioned that, that oftentimes you'll pick a specific person. Sure. Do you, how do, I remember I was doing, um, Lucas Mattiello was yeah. on this Lucas show, uh, one, of, one of the first, and I remember when I was going through some of his classes, he would sort of teach you to kind of start here and then work your way there, yeah. and how, what, 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 I'm kind of curious how you, how you work the room, if Yeah, you yeah, will. It's, it's called scanning the room, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of speakers out there that do it really robotically, which I find really strange. They'll actually make a point of, they come out on the stage and they'll take a deep breath, and then they'll literally, I had an instructor once that literally was trying to teach us to literally take a breath and then you do a full room scan. But I find that super awkward with no spoken word and you're going, and you do the full, and I'm like, whoa, 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 that, what is this, the Terminator? You know, I think what it really is, is acknowledging the room and the space that you're in. Yeah. You can make that direct contact until you find a loved one or even a friend or even somebody with a cool, funky shirt in the audience. Because oftentimes, depending on the environment you're in, if you're in a big uh, auditorium or yeah. a theater, you can only really see the front row because of the house and the stage lights. Yeah. So you focus in on that person and you make that personal connection with that person, but don't make sure that you're not ignoring the rest of the sides of the room either. Make a contact with somebody over here and somebody over here. That way you're not so wrapped up in the idea of you have to make eye contact with every single person because it's just not possible. Yeah. But looking, it's like how they teach you body language. Um, it's like, oh, I'm finding it so awkward to stare into people's eyes. Well, they teach you about the X that's right above the bridge of the nose. And they say, if it makes yeah. you feel better, stare into the X above the bridge of the nose and not directly into someone's eyes. That's weird now that and I'm doing it. <laughs> that's right. But it looks like you're looking directly in my eyes, yeah. but it's less awkward for you because you're not having to stare right into my pupil. So I guess the same thing goes when you're on stage. It, different things work for different uh, speakers and, and performers and whatnot, but that for me is what works best. I pick three people, left, middle, and right, and I just go from there. Does anybody ever come, up, come, at you, come back to you and be like, you were staring at me the entire time or something like that. You know, and maybe I'll come back with something like super coy and be like, it's because I knew you needed me in that moment. No, was, uh, no, 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 honestly. Of course. Uh, most people actually comment the most because, I don't know if you can tell, I talk a lot with my hands. I'm super high energy on stage. So rather than let that um, nervous energy or excited energy consume me, I actually let it turn it like into like power shots where I'm just like, boom, boom, boom. The thing I've had to learn though is slowing down. 
regardless because you get <laughs> so fired yeah. up. Exactly. I'm doing it right now <laughs> and I'm in my own home, right? I get so fired up that I'm just, I'm, it's, it's powerful, passion. but people can feel it. Yeah. You know, when you hear the term, that guy gave me a bad vibe, that's based on something real. Let's talk about the literal vibrations that we give off as human beings. We're just atoms and molecules, right? And literally, if somebody is having a crappy day and whatever, the reason why you feel it, the reason why people say it really got chilly in here is because literally we do have a bit of an aura that we give off and the same thing. If you were to record the energy levels in a room, if a, if a comedian is really hitting it hard and the crowd is loving it and laughing, it's because literally you're taking them to a different vibra vibration level. And that's what I try to do with my presentations to get people at the same level that I'm at so they can ride the wave with me. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like when you, um, there's some, some conferences where people have spoken, you don't really feel anything afterwards, and then there's some presenters where you just want to run up and, and get a selfie with them because they just they made you feel a certain way. Absolutely. Uh, I, there was a, a, a speaker once who said, they'll never remember what uh, you said or did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. So it's not about them necessarily remembering the specifics of what you said, yeah. but it's those emotions. So when I talk about my grandfather or something personal, I'm not expecting somebody to have that moment where my grandfather flashes in their head. It's about making that personal connection of they remember a time with their own grandfather or a father figure yeah. or somebody like that where they go, I get it. And yeah. then that real emotion hits and now I have them because now they literally understand how I felt in that moment when I'm explaining that story. And that's where you'll evoke the most emotions out of people, is where they make that personal connection. It's not about BS, it's about getting them to where they wanna be and where they need to be, and why is it that they paid for a ticket to come see you at the show? You better deliver, and the yeah. point of delivering is making sure that they feel like they can walk away with something. I made a point when I started my business, I didn't want to just fade out into the background and just another speaker with a disability and rah, 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 he's a champion, he's such a hero shot. I don't want to be a hero shot. I want to be known for what I speak about and the content that I deliver. And secondary to that is he happens to use a wheelchair. How did you take what you were doing previously? Um, so you're kind of doing free gigs or yeah. you're doing gigs where, sure. you know, maybe they I'd done something for you and so you were kind of doing it in exchange yes. or, you know I, I'm sure it came also from a place of just you wanted to straight up just help people yes, right that's what it's about but um, how did you how were you able to and what were some of the challenges along the way transitioning from free mm -hmm. quote-unquote to paid Right. Uh, gigs. Well, I won't delve too deep into um, the previous industry I was in. I was previously in the video game industry. So I didn't actually go straight from starting in the working world and going, I know I want to be a speaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in the, the game industry and I don't know if you'll, you're going to dive into that at all. But essentially, um, there were circumstances that led me to be starting my speaking. And I remember because there was a bit of a hiatus from being a nine-year-old to now being like, 19 or 20 and going like mm, this is what I'm doing with my life and then finally making the decision of I'm going to actually start my business which happened in 2012 and initially it was going back to those first contacts that knew me from very various charitable organizations the hardest hurdle for me was getting over the fact that now I'm doing this as a full-time gig and having them understand that although I was once a poster child you know, I'm not, I'm not a kid anymore. Mm -hmm. And now I have a message to deliver and it is a message that's worth paying for. And so this is that message. So I would start with those initial contacts in uh, charitable organizations and I had to be really creative. Uh, so the Q principle, creatively utilize your best energy, be creative 
about what it is that I was doing to approach them. So what could I do to give back with them without expectation? And of course, charitable organizations, they're looking for funds to fund their causes. Yeah. And so that's where I started. And I don't know if you have a question built into that or if you want me to touch on this now about things like the drop zone and various other things like that. But that's essentially how I decided to really make my mark is start off my business with a bang, literally. Yeah. So for me, that was finding the craziest way I could fundraise money and have it do, be a spectacle that wouldn't cost me any money. And not only would it not cost me money, but I'd actually be able to raise money for the organization that was supporting you, me. that's where you rappelled off. off the how, side how, of many, how many stories? 20, story, 20 stories off the side of a building. And so they, they <laughs> if, if I remember, I was watching a little bit of it. And so if I, if I watched it properly, basically first they, brought the chair off the building. Right. So the chair was like dangling. basically dangling. Yeah. And then they harnessed you and lowered you into the chair. Correct. Now was there, did they then connect you to the chair? Like how to? So, so to preface this, um, the uh, crew that was hooking me up, and I told yeah. you this in our, in our private chat, yeah. uh, was the same crew who helped the Chilean miners uh, yes, when yes, there was yes. that mine collapse. So I'd already made, whether they were BSing or not, that made me feel fantastic. Sure. Um, uh, you made peace with the ma I made p peace <laughs> with it. Um, if you watch the video, see my, my uh, wife's face is completely pale white. She, told she was me. <laughs> very, very nervous. And we only found out once I got to the top of the building that they actually had to have me on a singular rope where I would put myself in my chair off the side of the building and then they would have one of their crew swing over the side and make sure that I was belted in and I have photos of that. Yeah, yeah. So that was the most nerve-wracking part and being so able to So they belted explain. you into the chair once they got you into the chair. Correct, gotcha. um, but before that all I had was the single rope that was helping to basically stabilize my hips yeah. as I did almost like you would dive into a pool or, or sit on the ledge of a pool and then let yourself drop in except this drop was dropping into my wheelchair 20 stories above live traffic. Um, it's called uh, the Drop Zone. It was for an organization called the Easter Seals, um, and they're you know they're around the globe. Easter Seals they do a lot of great work. And actually, the second year that I did it is when I was able to convince. I think it was the second year. It was I was able to convince Lucas Mattiello. You mentioned Lucas yeah. to join the team with me. And, and um, did, you guys did it for two years, or he did it for one year. He did it for the. For the for the one year. Yeah. Okay. And, and so too. the theme of this is you're a superhero. So we're dressed up in spandex, and I'm wearing tight blue spandex and long like ankle or uh, knee socks and stuff. And our team was called Team Inspirational because I had my friends uh, Fiona Forbes and Michael Eckford from Shaw TV, and they had a show called Urban Rush. Yeah. And so I said to Fiona, knowing that she was afraid of heights, I said would this make good TV for you? And I explained what it was and she goes, well, I'm terrified of heights. I said, I know, but think about this. This would be fantastic. We'd be able to raise money for Easter Seals. So she reluctantly agreed at first. And so she had us on our, her daytime talk show and Lucas was on the show as well. And we're explaining the cause. And so it was myself, Lucas, Matt Astafan, uh, yeah. who I'm, I don't know if you've interviewed him or not on the show, but Not I know he's yet. a friend of yours. Not yet. Uh, that's Matt, right. I'm coming for you. There you go. Uh, Michael Eckford and Fiona Forbes. And the first year we raised $5,000 for kids with special needs to go to summer camp. Yeah. And Amazing. I had a GoPro attached to my chair, a bunch of GoPros. Um, <laughs> and I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous. I mean, I'm looking down and there's live traffic and cars honking yeah. and things like this. But as soon as I touched down, I, I didn't want to do it. I could have done it outside of my wheelchair, but it's way more of a spectacle to have somebody literally look Looking like a wrecking ball on the side of a building <laughs> and it was literally because of the wind it was kind of blowing my chair up against the glass of the building but we survived and I did I went back the next year and we raised over eight thousand dollars the next year so it was uh, it was awesome and the cool thing about that was is think about back to what I said utilizing your network utilizing people for all of the good reasons 
I was able to help out a friend who had a talk show, um, yeah. giving them great content on the show. I was able to help out an organization that's been supporting myself and my family for years by raising money for kids and their families to go to camp. But I was also able to promote my business by literally putting into action the things I talk about, about facing your fears and overcoming challenges. And even Lucas was able to talk Fiona through her fear of heights. Um, and that's often what he does is he talks people through their fears and their challenges. And you had him on the show, so you know all about that. Yeah, I don't remember. Do you remember what um, episode that was, Danny? Was that 30? 32. Jesus I think Christ, it was. this guy. He knows more about our show than we do. Yeah. Hey, listen, you know. <laughs> you do your research, I do my, my research. I knew you were researching me, so I had to pay it back. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. My next question, um, it, it, it kind of came from something I talked to your wife about. Okay. Um, oh, no. And then I, <laughs> I kind of realized it for myself. It just, I'll just, I'll just go for it. Um, sure. When we met, um, like full disclosure, I, I, can't say, I can't remember the last time that I was around somebody in a wheelchair. I just sure. don't remember. I, sure. I, so I was thinking to myself, okay, well, um, is there like things I shouldn't say? <laughs> I, I honestly did a fucking Google search. Yeah. I, like, oh, did you really? I just did. I wanted, wow. I didn't want to be stupid. Okay. And so I, I just, I just wanted to make sure that I didn't offend or I didn't, um, is oh, that that's Google okay. Home? I think my Google, my Google home is talking to us. It's oh okay. yeah. Cause I said Google. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to try and avoid that word for now on. Yeah, that's okay. Anyhow. They're so, always listening, no, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you did a, you did a yeah, blank yeah, search. Yeah, because I just wanted to make yeah. sure I get, you know, got... But anyways, um, so I, I, I got... We, you know, we met. We, we went um, down to the water and everything. We sat down. We had a chat. And what, what your wife pointed out, and then I realized later on, is like, I totally forgot... Any of the research or anything sure. that I even thought about. I forgot that you were even in, in a wheelchair, period. Sure. Good. It, I, it just wasn't there. Yeah. And it, uh, it was like, she described it as magic. And then yeah. I was like, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> like, it, I just forgot. Yeah, for sure. And so, and I don't think, I think that has a lot to do with your attitude or your, your approach or your, you. And so Thanks, I, I just, I kind of wanted to dig into that a little bit and sure. understand why, why, why do you think I, I felt that way? Why do you think um, your wife points that sure. out? Why, why, what, what's up with that? I think for me, it's about the way in which I approach life. Uh, my parents always raised me to believe that nothing is really a challenge. And so when I'm speaking to people, it's less about that. It's literally about me making that actual connection with them. So the chair fades into the background. And I always tell this story because it's funny. I've had friends who've known me for over a decade. And you know we're going to the beach or whatever, and we load up our regular stuff, and I hop into the passenger seat, and we're driving off, and my buddy Shane will be like, "Oh shit, what? <laughs> oh, I left your your chair in the driveway, man, and we're like ten minutes out now because like it's not about that, and it's never been about that. Yeah. Even literally, if he's going to fireman carry me up a hill because we have to go on a hike somewhere." He totally forgets about the chair and that just happens because I don't make it the center of my life. Yes, I look at it, my wheelchair as the extension to my personality. So if you see it, it's red and black. Those are my favorite colors. It's got lights. It's got a whole rigged up system to it. Does it actually it's, have lights? It's got lights on the side and on the back. So at nighttime, I can turn those turn those on and I, I, can, I can give you a light show later. But it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty cool, man. And I look at it as almost like how somebody would treat their vehicle. Yeah. It gets me from point A to point B, but it's not me. But I also am proud of it. I identify with it. Whereas yeah. there are some people with disabilities, and to each their own, 
Um, they have a chip on their shoulder, and they, they're saying, this is not me. And maybe it's different because I was born with my disability, whereas there are people who acquire their disability later on in life who become quadriplegics or paraplegics. And maybe for some folks, it's not something that they want to identify with. For me, I use it as a tool of empowerment. Of saying, heck yeah, I use a wheelchair, but watch what I do with it. Yeah. And watch what I'm able to do with my life and not let it hold me back. And I think that that's why, what puts people at ease. Uh, Karen has often told me that it just relaxes people. Because I'm not making a thing of it, they don't make a thing of it. And then they're just like, you know what? I'm super comfortable right now. Yeah. And I just don't think about it. <laughs> that day I got the worst sunburn. I, I told Karen about that. My whole arm and up to my neck. We should have totally switched sides. We should have switched forgot. sides. Yeah, totally. Yeah, SPF, everyone. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. We, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure some of the, the folks that are watching this right now, maybe they've got, you know, disabled family members, maybe. Um, they or invisible will, disabilities. Sure. They, maybe thing. they will give birth to, um, uh, you know, a child with a disability. Sure. How, what, what can we learn from, the amazing job that your your parents did, sure. and 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 from what I understand, your sister is all like, what, what, what can we all learn from that? Yeah, What's well, the take, uh, home there? Uh, the, the take home definitely is is remembering that it is nurture and nature. So it's not just the environment, but literally just approaching everything that you can with as cheesy it sounds with as much of a positive attitude attitude as you possibly can yeah that's not to say i didn't have struggles or there weren't things that got in the way when i wanted to do certain things or certain sports that i couldn't do yeah. but being open-minded enough to know that you can adapt on the fly so i can't be a traditional basketball player but i can do wheelchair basketball so i couldn't uh uh, uh necessarily be the next michael phelps but i could join a swim team you know so finding the ways in which you can uh find the sports or whatever activities are going to get you in the right headspace because a healthy body is a healthy mind. And so starting out with those sports and those athletics at an early age, my dad was an athlete. Um, and as an immigrant, he came here from Italy and he was had these huge dreams of me being a sports star. And then when he found out about my cerebral palsy, he was like, oh, I don't know, can he still do it? And so I almost made it my life mission at that point to say, yeah, Dad, I am going to still do it. I oh, may not yeah. do traditional soccer, but I'll do basketball. I'll do track and field. I'll do swimming. I'll do horseback riding. I'll do whatever. And I did them all and blessed my parents because they got me to every single, uh, um, what should we call it, practice uh, throughout the week. And that's not an easy task for any parent. But on top of that, you have the expenses that may be associated with having a child with a disability, including wheelchairs, special therapies, and not once. They may have done this behind closed doors, but not once to my face did my parents ever bat an eye and say that it was too hard for them. Not to my face. And I know since then they've opened up to me and said that there were nights where they were sad at first and they, were, they cried about it. But they never showed me those fears or mm -hmm. those tears. Yeah. They showed me the way in which they chose to approach the situation. And maybe that's how I got built into my character. Well, it it's definitely just, has. Yeah, like, nah. You know, yeah, you're going to be hard about it. And there would be times where I would be super sad. And I'm not going to lie. There are, there are bouts of depression. But it's what you learn coming out of those bouts of the depression that help you to grow and to mature as a person. Yeah. And I want to turn those lessons and those stories into empowering things that other people can do within their own lives um, to find a way out of the darkness, for lack of a better term. I like that. The yeah. darkness. Yeah, the darkness. Tell me about uh, what you're doing with Van City right now. 
Yeah, it's a really cool opportunity. Van City so, is a um, is a credit a, union. Yeah, he, local to Vancouver, Van, or local to at least the greater Vancouver. That's area? right. Yeah, yeah. They they actually made a choice not to go national. Okay. They had an option to go national, but they're all about representing um, people from the community. So they stayed. Uh, so uh, long story short, um, I'm actually I don't believe you. Well, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to try my best. Long story short, uh, uh, with Van City, Van City's hosting this position called an accessibility and inclusion consultant. Yeah. So there's myself and one other individual. It's a two-year contract where we are actually working with 23 business leaders, thought leaders, and CEOs of some of the most reputable companies in the city yeah. who have put their hand up and say, we believe in being inclusive employers, meaning hiring individuals with disabilities across the spectrum, yeah, whatever are, that looks like. These are big like. time These folks. are big companies. We're talking the Vancouver Airport, Van City, HSBC, yeah. um, Save On Meats. Like there's smaller businesses as well, but these are big time folks. Good for Save On Meats. They're always mixing it they're up. They're always mixing always up. And they, they help the a lot with the downtown east side. Mark yeah, Brand is incredible. a social entrepreneur if I ever saw one. And the reason why oh, this I'd contract yeah. You're going to have to connect me one of I will connect you with he Mark does Brand. incredible yeah. things. No, if you want me to, I'll connect you with Mark <laughs> Brand. He's a great guy. Um, but that's the whole thing, is that when I approached this opportunity, I actually came off the back of work I was doing with the city of Surrey. I was working uh, part-time on a contract with them yeah. out of City Hall on accessibility. And the manager there, she knew I was doing my speaking work and stuff on the days when I wasn't at City Hall. Yeah. Because it's such a great thing to be able to say I'm helping the physical built environment for accessibility. And she said, there's this cool opportunity that came off across my desk to be an accessibility inclusion consultant with this thing called the President's Group, which is basically a committee of these 23 CEOs. And I was like, that sounds incredible. Like, I'm like, but you realize if I do this, it's going to take away from my work with the city of Surrey. And she's like, it doesn't matter. This is a great opportunity for you as a speaker, as a spokesperson, and as an advocate. Somebody that I never wanted to be that token advocate guy. I actually avoided it. But people are like, you got to do this because your fire, your passion behind what you're doing, combining your talent as a speaker with what you believe in as a cause and putting people's abilities first rather than their disabilities. And so that's what we're doing. This is a two-year contract to literally change the face of inclusive employment across, hopefully, the entire province. So we're building in policies, procedures, and standards based off of these 23 companies um, and what they've learned about being mm -hmm. inclusive employers. And hopefully, the rest of the province of British Columbia will follow suit and Maybe it'll create so a you're kind of putting together like a how-to. That's right. Based on the combined learnings and experiences of all the yes. um, people involved in this committee. Correct. And it is a heck of a networking opportunity as well I to be able to it. rub shoulders with some of these CEOs and these really highfalutin individuals who are part of a greater uh, a greater movement, we'll say, of saying, yeah, we see um, that we're very powerful in our positions, but we also see that with that power, not to sound like Spider-Man, comes great responsibility, and the responsibility of making sure that everyone has the opportunity to live and work and have great quality of life in this province, and that's why I said yes. And there was a struggle for me to even consider the contract. I was kind of humming and hawing over it, because I said, how much of that will take away from who I am as an entrepreneur? And I then I to talk about that. A yeah, bit, no, actually. we can we how can do, dive into that. How do you reconcile that? Because you have like business hours sure. in a kind of you know you got yeah. a business hours. You have a place you need to go into work, et cetera, sure. et cetera. Like how how do you reconcile that as an entrepreneur? So the, basically, you know, my whole struggle initially as an entrepreneur is thinking, well, I, that isn't that just going to work for somebody again? But I actually look at it as paid education. Think about it this way. If you don't look at it as a job, but you're pay, it's paid education, I'm getting paid to learn on the fly in no better way from some of the greatest CEOs yeah. uh, in the country how they've, they've lived and worked. 
I'm getting paid to be an advocate for the things that I'm already passionate about anyways, and making an impact on not only my city, but my province. So if you approach it from not the fact that, yeah, there's a hierarchy and yeah, there are certain people, but they knew that going in that I'm an entrepreneur. They respect that. They say, we don't want you to lose your entrepreneurial edge. That's why we're considering you as one of the consultants. We want to use your ability as a spokesperson, that fire, that passion that you bring, and the skill sets you've learned to carve out as an entrepreneur when it comes to organizational stuff and, and meeting with people. Don't lose that. Use that. And what we will add to that are things like building out these policies, building out these standards. If you can deal with that and every once in a while come into the Van City head office, who's uh, because Tamara Vrooman, the CEO of Van City, is the co-chair of the president's group, she was nice enough to say, let's not just make this something off the side of these uh, consultants' desks. I'll put up my hand and say Van City will literally host these roles mm -hmm. and give them full-time benefits and you know all of these various things so that they can walk through the orientation process of what it's like to be a Van City employee, but also giving them the space of understanding that they're technically not an employee for Van City, but a consultant for all the 23 companies involved in the President's Group. That's the best way I can explain it. <laughs> well, I think you did a yeah. terrific job of explaining it. Yeah. I had a, a question. I'm trying to remember what it was now because it was a it was kind of one that I really meant to ask. I think maybe I'll come back to it. Sure. Um, actually, it was it was actually a comparison. Now I remember. Okay. I've got in in the work that I do, I've got a number of clients, and sometimes sometimes it feels like instead of having 20 clients. I have 20 bosses. Yep. Right? Of course. And so the way I've chosen to look at it, and it's certainly the way that you look at it, is you know, here this wonderful client has decided that they're going to trust me. They're going to pay me you know, whatever amount of money, you know, retainer per yep. month. Yep. And I'm going to have the opportunity to continue to further my learning. Mm -hmm in working with them. And so I work with them closely and I get to understand their business, yep. their business acumen, their, yep. you know, their customers, et cetera, et cetera. It, sure. They are essentially, every single one of them is essentially paying for my education every single day. That's right. And they're learning from you just as much as you're totally. learning from it's, them. It's really a partnership yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like you literally couldn't, you couldn't buy that kind of education because couldn't. they're actually paying you to understand what it's like to walk a mile in their shoes. And every single client and entrepreneur has a different story to tell. And that's the way that I approach it, right? Is that, yeah, yeah this contract with Van City and with the President's Group takes up a big chunk of my time, but I'm also building off the skill sets of things I already love to do. Panel events, interviews, um, keynote presentations. These are all things that I was already doing, but now while wearing the hat as a representative and advocate, um, going back to my telethon days and my, and my fundraising days, it's like wearing the hat for the president's group instead of another organization and saying, this is why it matters. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Have you ever heard of, um, since we're kind of talking about networking a little bit. Sure. Um, and certainly it's through networking that you got this gig and now yep. you're networking there and you're going to get sort of, you know, more gigs from there. Sure, and, sure. Um, have you ever heard that saying, um, what is it? Uh, your network is your net worth. Have you ever yes, heard of that? Yes, I have heard what do, that. What do you think of that? Yeah, absolutely, because it's not necessarily tied back to a financial gain. Mm -hmm. It's about what is your social value, right? And so your a lot of people. Social net worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your social net worth? What do you? So I always approach it this way, uh, and I've said this a number of times in different interviews. But you're only as good as the last person that remembers you. 
right? So if I was wiped off the face of the earth tomorrow, it doesn't matter how much is posted about me on social media. Eventually, those posts will fade away because they won't rank as well in Google mm -hmm. search engines. Um, and uh, so, and you know all about that stuff. Um, but no, uh, it's about your memories with people and making those authentic connections. And I'll, I'll tie it back to the key principle again, creatively utilizing your best energy. What energy are you putting out there um, to really affect and impact the people around you in your social circle. And I hope that if I were hit by a bus tomorrow, a knock on wood that I'm not, um, the people would say, you know what, Marco was a legitimate guy, he was an authentic guy, and he did what he could to make an impact, and that's your net worth. Uh, your, 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 the impact you create in your social circle and, and by extension, those individuals' social circle is really all you have to, to take the bank. Because when we die, we don't get to bring our bank account with us. So all these material things and the money and stuff, that's secondary. And I think that that is really the approach I took when building this business is, yeah, I can write a 60-page business plan, and I did. <laughs> But the plan has completely changed from the day that I, I built it. I had a way different idea as to how I was gonna approach this whole being a speaker thing. Um, and, and now I've sort of listened to my business, understanding that it's like a living, breathing baby. You have to nurture it, you have to understand it, but it will also tell you when something isn't working. And to be able to be not stubborn, because stubbornness kills all businesses, if you can say, it's not about what you, the color scheme you like in your logo or any of those things, what are your customers saying that they want to see out of the work you're producing? And let that be your guide. And if you trust that, then you'll be successful. It just all depends on how you define success and your net worth. How do you, um, how do you nurture this network? Or how, how does, what is the management of said network? Because your, your, sure. your network is, is yeah. vast at this point. Sure. So what, what does that look like um, from sort of a day-to-day what tools do you use, sure. that, that kind of thing. So uh, another speaker by the name of Colin Sprake, he's, uh, and he's local too. How do you too. spell that last name? S-P-R-A-K-E, Colin, okay. Colin Sprake. Yep. He's a local guy as well, and uh, I've heard him say this, so I'm not going to take credit for it. But um, he defines people in networking groups in three categories. Connectors, collectors, and jerks. And I don't know if I talked to you about connectors, it. collectors, and, and jerks. jerks. Yeah. Okay. So um, I look at it this way. So connectors are the ones that are authentically trying to make a real connection with you. They're not just going to a meetup and just being like, "I'll meet, I'll connect with whoever I can," and it'll be arbitrary. But maybe they have a contact because you can tell you've been in networking groups. There are people that are like wolves. They are like hungry just to get business cards. So the yeah. connectors are the ones that are actually trying to get to know you, your story, and how they can help you. Giving without expectation and Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about giving without expert expectation so I really I subscribe to that a lot so there's connectors collectors are the ones that are literally like Pokemon you know got to catch them all you go to a you go to a, a networking yeah. event and you see people with business cards just and they just want to business, business cards business cards yeah. so that they can go back as soon as they get home and add you all on LinkedIn no authentic connection maybe they learn your name and then they're just like fantastic thank you George nice to meet you we'll connect but it's only to expand their network okay yeah. And then the jerks are the ones that make zero connection at all. And I love how, how Colin says this, is that they'll go to a networking event knowing before anyone shows up and they'll leave a business card of theirs on every single seat where they know that someone's going to sit down so that when they know before they get to sit down, they see a card in there and they look at it. And for some miraculous reason, they think that someone's going to go, ooh, who's this guy? And put it in their pocket and actually search you up. The chances of that are very slim because you haven't bothered to put in the work to make the connection. So to get back to your original question is, I try to be that connector. That's somebody that actually listens to the key words and understanding. I'm terrible with names, but I try to remember the person's name connected to their face as soon as I see them. And 
Danny, our, our videographer here, he was one of those situations where he told me right off the bat, when I first met Danny, it was at a networking event um, at, at uh, a local uh, like growth hub in Vancouver in Gastown. Yeah. And uh, he told was me- Was it the Hive or-, or uh, Invoke, Invoke, Invoke. Invoke. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. they kind of build out, they, they, they're they responsible for Hootsuite and a couple uh, other- Invoke, yeah, Invoker. Invoke Media, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. So um, so he was there and, and I, was help, I was on a project with Invoke at the time and he was doing like an open house and he was telling me how much he was interested in getting into uh, videography for the music industry and whatnot. Yeah. And it was a very, very small interaction, but I made a real connection with Danny and his friend that was there as well. We exchanged cards. And then I thought back a couple weeks later that, oh, actually he had mentioned music videos. And about four years ago, three years ago, when I first built my business, I actually met a guy named Stefan Burrell who built out a business uh, uh, for working with groups like Headley and some big bands. And I was like, I made a real connection. And how I catalog that is I actually have an Excel sheet which has um, lots of social interactions, emails, brief synopsis of every single conversation I've had business related with groups of people. And I remember that Stefan had made it into my Excel. So I didn't have his contacts offhand, but I was like, uh, I don't even remember his name. I think it was Stefan. I typed in music videos and boom, popped it over to like 2012 or 2013, Stefan Burrell. And I said, and I emailed Danny and I said, hey, listen, I know we only had a small interaction, but I think this guy may be able to help you out. And so I introduced him to Stefan via email and I said, drop my name. I can't guarantee you he'll be like, oh yeah, Marco Pasqua. But I do know that we made enough of a strong connection where we actually connected that it may help you. And one thing led to another and it resulted in Danny being able to work with Stefan directly. And, and it's really helped to catapult certain things for him in that aspect. So that's an idea of the Q principle in action. It's not, this is not rocket science. This is not me even trying to claim that this is a new system yeah. that is groundbreaking. This is not an infomercial you're gonna see at two o'clock in the morning. This is a way in which I found to collect um, techniques that have worked for me and can work for other people just in this systematic approach. So making sure you make an authentic connection, utilizing your network to, to build out those connections, see how you can help to give without expectation, and nine times out of 10, if you're giving without expectation, that person won't forget. And since then, Danny and I have worked together on a number of different things. And this, in fact, this very interview, as a result, came of Danny being like, hey, Marco, you know, my buddy Adam's yeah. doing this thing. Danny being a connector. Exactly. <laughs> so he, he really, Danny gets it, you get it. And I hope, and I'm I know learning. people, when I first started building my business, they're like, I don't understand. What is the key principle? And I'm like, you're thinking too deep into this. It's about when approaching. You, when you first said the, I, I, I want to stop you here because I yeah. want to make sure everybody looks it up sure, and hears about sure. it. Sure, um, when sure. When you first told me about it, for whatever reason, it registered as the Q principle, but it's not the Q principle. Yeah. It's the Q B yeah. principle. An acronym. Principle, Creatively yeah. utilize your best energy. Yeah. Right? And people are like, well, what does that mean exactly? Well, it's understanding uh, your network, what people bring to your network, utilizing it in such a way that you're not just take, 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 because I was telling you before we turned the cameras on. You have to be strategic. I think the camera was on. Oh, it might have been on. We were talking about KFC legs and all this stuff. Um, but anyway, leave my legs alone. Yeah, we'll leave your legs alone. Um, but uh, so it's about basically utilizing those connections and understanding who's in your network and being strategic about when you're using that, I'll call it a chit or that IOU. It's not yeah. a real IOU, but it's knowing that you have that person in a high upstanding uh, um, stage in life, perhaps, yeah. and you haven't reached out to them for any given thing, but maybe be strategic about when you're reaching out to them and saying, I could really use your help with this particular project or this particular challenge. And if you made a strong enough connection with that person, 
they'll remember you and they'll definitely reach out and then it's just a ripple effect. It goes from there, from there. It's because of the Q principle. I didn't even know what I was doing. I just put a name to it now. But it, I've just always been doing this. And this is what my wife said about magic, is that I, I strategically know the time to reach out to somebody. To One of my dreams was to meet Michael J. Fox. And last year, I had an opportunity not only to meet Michael J. Fox, but sponsor his golf tournament, meet him directly, and to have one of your childhood heroes come up to you and say, you know what, Marco, I actually, you know, I, I see the work you're doing. I hear about everything you're doing. And to be honest, you're an inspiration to me. I literally said at that moment that I could die, but my <laughs> wife was like, no, you can't. Uh, you know, I'm like, oh, right, right, yeah, 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 Karen, yeah, my life, right, all of that yeah. stuff. Um, no, 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 but seriously, and it all came as a result of understanding who was in my network, knowing that that was a goal of mine, knowing that I had not ill intention to do it, but it's because I wanted to, not for any fame or fortune, I just wanted to thank him for being an inspiration to me, and I got to do that exact thing last year at a golf tournament with Mike, so that was, that was great, and that was just me practicing what I preach, and understanding that it's not about taking people and taking advantage of people, it's about building up your social network. What tips could you offer um, somebody who, who wants to get better, um, who has, doesn't already have that magic, sure. um, to get better at making those, um, those personal connections, those memorable connections? Sure. Uh, so a great way, especially if you're a behind-the-scenes type of person who's not necessarily out there in the public, sure, yeah. is through social media. We all use social media these days, or many of us but do. But what about like in person? You've got that person sure. in front of you. Is there anything that you can do that you just met that person? Maybe you haven't exchanged a card yet, but sure. you will. Is there anything that you can do at that sort of stage of the game to make them make yourself memorable enough that when you do... Um, follow them on Twitter or re, you know, reach out via LinkedIn or whatever, mm -hmm. that you're not just another sort of face in the room kind of thing. You're like, oh, he's that or she's that conversation right. I had. So when you approach a lot of people, especially ones who are celebrities or are used to being approached, sure. you have to realize they have a built-in filter to uh, tune you out as soon as they think you're asking them for something. Because people are so used to being asked for something that it's just like, yeah, 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 autograph, whatever. But the second you approach somebody with authenticity by saying, for example, instead of asking, um, can I ask you a few questions or could I possibly get a few moments of your time for a coffee later on, um, literally approaching being like, listen, I really respect the work you do. So it comes to you doing the homework before you go to an event, who, sure. who might be in the room. Approaching those people and saying, would you be open to potentially having me either shadow you for a moment or potentially, I respect your work so much that I would love if you'd be willing to mentor me at least through a few conversations. The second somebody hears the word mentor or mentorship, um, that whole veil of, of their ego and being like, oh yeah, 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 whatever, <laughs> buzz off, goes away. Because it's one of the most flattering things you can say to somebody is you respect their work and how they conduct themselves so much that you would love for the opportunity to have an almost an informational interview with them, yeah. but as a mentor, because you respect the way that they've come up and done things. That's how I got to talk to Gene Simmons from KISS, as I had the balls to go up to his daughter when we were shooting an episode of Gene Simmons Family Jewels, and it was happening here locally. And the reason I was on the show, people were like, well, where's the connection there? Is the place that gave me physiotherapy growing up, that did a lot of my therapies to strengthen my body, was being featured because Sophie, um, she has a place in Whistler, and she has a, a center called Sophie's Place, which helps children that are in uh, not great situations um, get back on their feet, uh, and actually it takes place in the same center that gave me physiotherapy. 
So they asked me to come out as an ambassador and I thought, and that was right when I was building my business too. And I thought, man, who is one of the biggest branding experts in the world? Gene Simmons. His yeah. face is on everything. His tongue is world renowned. So I said, even if I can get a moment of his time, that'd be great. So we were shooting a scene together and she was asking me, Sophie was asking me about the center and how it's impacted my life. Yeah. And it, when we cut, I was like, if I just ask her, can I meet your dad? Um, it's not going to go over well. And she's going to just be like, oh God, another person. But I opened up with, hey, Sophie, I'm a budding entrepreneur. I just started my business. So there's nothing about her dad yet. And I said, and I'm struggling with branding. I really want to learn how to get myself out there. And I had her attention now. And I said, knowing that, I know your dad's a branding expert. Not even necessarily this second. I didn't even know if Gene was there. But I said, do you think it would be possible if we exchange information? I'm a, I'm a good guy, but I'm learning. I want to learn from the experts. Do you think your dad would have even... 10 minutes of his time to look at my business card, to look at my logo and give me feedback. And I was shocked because she looked at me and she said, well, how about right now? And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, my dad's in the green room. If you have time right now, I'll take you right now. Because we had a break between our scenes. Yeah. And I was like, yes, I'm not going to say no to that opportunity. So next thing you know, I'm literally being ushered behind all these back rooms and knock, knock, knock on the green door room. And opens up the door and there's Gene Simmons and Shannon Tweed, his beautiful wife sitting in the green room. And literally it was like leaving a, a sheep to the wolves because she opened up and it's her dad. So she's super casual. Hey dad, this is Marco. He's told me he's a budding entrepreneur. He wants your advice and feedback. I told him I was chill with it. I'm good with it. Um, here he is. Say hello. And she literally just closed the door. And now I'm sitting there in awe with my jaw dropped and Gene's sitting there and he's so, he's so, you can feel his presence when he's in the room and he's just so, and I literally, what seemed like several minutes, but probably was only about 15 seconds of my jaw on the floor. He's like, so are you going to come over here or what? And I was like, uh, yes, sir. Yeah. So, you know, what I thought was going to be a couple minute conversation, he'd brush me off, ended up being about a 30 to 40 minute conversation about branding, giving me book recommendations, talking about body language it was actually gene gave me the biggest uh tidbit or advice when we left the conversation because people don't know this but my right arm is also affected by my cerebral palsy so the dexterity is affected and i every time when you go to shake someone's hand people lead in with the right hand most people are right-handed so i went to go lead in with my right knowing full well it's probably not going to go over well because my right hand sucks but that's okay i call it a or organic prosthetic it's real but it doesn't work very well. So I go in and give a handshake and uh, Gene looks at me and he's a no bullshit kind of guy and he's just like, that was a shitty handshake. <laughs> and I was just like, uh, sorry sir, but what you don't know, and I thought I had him in a corner, is that my hand is affected by my disability and I thought he'd feel really shitty. Not that I was trying to make him feel shitty, but anyways, and he goes, no, 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 it doesn't matter. And it's not gonna matter because whether you're affected by your disability or not, people are gonna judge you within the first six to 10 seconds of meeting you. And what's the first thing you do? Typically you shake their hand. So work on that and learn about body language. And I took that to heart because then I started to absorb myself in body language and how subconsciously people judge you within when you enter a room and how, you, how you're, you're sitting upright. And, and that's where the energy piece and the cue principle comes in. What kind of energy are, are you projecting? Uh, are your shoulders back? Are you confident in yourself? Are you assertive? Uh, is that the way people are going to take you? Yeah, you might have some flaws and you might not have arms that work that well, but be conscious of it. He said, when you're shaking hands, you want to make sure that the thumb and the other person's thumb is web to web. 
because that means that you're, you know, you're asserting yourself. And there's a whole other thing I can go into about being the submissive palm or being the dominant palm, being the palm on top. If you watch President Trump, <laughs> I when knew he, you're he does, going there. Well, he does that. He does the really aggressive handshake, yeah. and he makes sure that his palm is facing upward because the upward palm is the dominant palm. And it's all psychology. People don't think about yeah. it. But watch Trump now when you do. And Trudeau was the only person, the first person, that when Trump tried to do his yank. Uh, handshake because he pulls the person in and takes the top position. Uh, Trudeau had watched his interviews beforehand, so he knew Trump was going to do the yank. And he already, Trudeau's a pretty strong guy, so you can see Trump trying to do the yank and hit the hands don't go anywhere. And Trudeau, with the smile on his face, is just like, and he sits, keeps <laughs> it right in the center. It. And, I, and he loved it. So watch that interview again when they first interact with each other. It was gold, and I almost fell out of my chair when I saw <laughs> that interview. So there's a lot to body language, and I credit Gene Simmons for really getting me down that, that rabbit hole we'll call it you have a way of taking somebody down a rabbit hole and then like somewhere in the middle you're like are we still on the same topic and then we and then at near the end um uh <laughs> you sort of circle back and you're like yeah that all makes sense this was an amazing answer that's right yeah sorry yeah it is long winded <laughs> no but, it's good but, though. but that's what you get out of me when when you get me as a speaker this you get is what you thoughtful get. You replies get, that's right I you like get thoughtful it. replies i'm not gonna give you get you... a story with it you get a celebrity <laughs> yeah that's right that's right dish them out man rapid fire cool i've got one last okay. uh, one last question okay and then we'll do some some very quick ones that you um you can answer real quickly sure um you talked uh you talked a little bit earlier about um, you know when you die, you want to leave a, a mark. When you you know whatever, right? Um, do you, do you find yourself thinking a lot about? I guess the, we'd call that legacy. Yeah, of course I do. And sure. Yeah. What, what what kind of mark do you want to leave behind? I don't know. You know, the weird thing about it is, is that I think it stems from my dad always telling me that it's weird to ask. You're such a young guy, so it's yeah. kind of weird to ask. Yeah. That well, question, listen, listen. Still, I'm not like, gonna write my autobiography anytime soon. I know. Right. I, I still feel there's but many I, I do chapters. I think it's to important go. to think about. It, it that is from important to think about. It. It, it is. It is because if there's something I know after having 13 surgeries and being born with a disability is you have no idea what tomorrow brings. Mm -hmm. And so I could become very ill tomorrow and not be able to continue on the legacy in which I'm doing. Sure. And I think it stems from my dad, uh, you know, instilling in me from an early age, like he always said to me, like uh, punctuality is so important. And if you're, if you're not early, it means you're late. And if you're late, you're an asshole. So, um, and so like, really, it was about really carrying that on and understanding that, yeah, you know what, as my dad's not as uh, articulate as I am perhaps, but he's a no bullshit kind of Italian dude. And so it was that approach that I said to myself, yeah, if I'm were to leave a legacy uh, behind and really make an impact, how many people's lives can I impact before mm -hmm. I go? And I think that's what I understand. People go, well, I don't really know what I want to do in life. I think the meaning of life is literally to live. People go, well, that's a really simple answer, but it isn't. It's about the lessons that you learn as you go through them. And we're willing to be uh, introspective and acknowledge the lessons for what they are. So each time, even if I've had a really shitty day, I will look back and go, what can I actually gain out of that? What, you know, there obviously was something that I was supposed to gain out of this experience. Because yeah. there's a lot of theories as to why, what this thing we call consciousness really is. There's a lot of billionaires that believe we potentially could be in a simulation. Mm -hmm. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of theories out there. But whatever the theory is, it's what can you do in living your life? Because you can't control everyone else's actions, but you can control your own actions. So what can I do to create an impact and affect the most people in my life and see that change? And I've seen that change. I've literally worked with clients who told me that before working with me as a mentor, they were suicidal. 
And I, and I told you this story when we met. Yeah. I had a client who has the same disability as myself, um, and he was really struggling in life. And he even told me, I don't have a lot of money, but I have a lot of insight. And I said, it's not about the money for me, it's about me being able to help you. So we structured a deal where I was able to help him out and not where he wasn't able to, he didn't have to worry about the financial aspect of it. And I'm able to really help him see him for who he is. And he told me he'll be forever grateful. That's why I do what I do. Because somebody told me that I literally saved their life by, willing, by being willing to give them the time of day. And that's the legacy. Right? Enough said. Yeah. You know, you're not... Um... Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, you're not, I, I don't have to do any follow-up questions with you. Like we actually, I mean, it's a kind of a longer interview, but sure. there's, 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 I don't have to add anything. It's kind uh, of beautiful. We're exactly one hour. So Are it's we? actually average. Amazing. Right Amazing. So I've got um, a couple questions that I chose just because we'll try and keep them short because I, you know, otherwise Danny's going to be editing for the rest of his life. Yeah. But that's the legacy, Danny. <laughs> that's the legacy. But um, <laughs> just a sort of couple um, uh, questions to finif- finish up. Sure. And they just required, you know, kind of a short answer. But I yep. just I thought these ones would be really good for um, to ask you. Sure. Question one: Do you ever get stuck in a rut? Like you oh, know, yeah. your motivation just. You know, even today, like I remember, yeah. I was sitting at the computer, and I was just, I don't want to fucking do this right now. Yeah, like I, I hear just. You. So I got up and I went and did something else. But what do you, what do you, how do you navigate those those sure. ruts? I'll be completely vulnerable right now in saying that um, that there are days where I still have bouts with the depression, and they they actually say the people who expose themselves the most to uh, to stages or the media or whatever are the most some of the most depressed people you actually ever meet. But you won't learn it. I'm here to say that it does happen for me, and I have shitty days too. I think really what it comes down to, and I'm very fortunate, I love my wife very much, and the reason being is that she's a great cheerleader. So she recenters me. So doing exactly what you did. Um, take yourself out of the element. Uh, so if you're used to those four walls because you're around your computer a lot, take yourself completely somewhere different. The first year I built the business was the toughest because I'm, so, I'm such a people person. I was used to being around tons of people, and now all I had was my four walls my pets. And it got depressing after a while. You got some pretty cool pets. Though. I do. They're pretty neat. They're pretty, yeah, bird and a bunny. And so I would take myself out, even just go to the local Tim Hortons or whatever, and just to hear people murmuring and doing their yeah. thing as I'm typing away, it changed me completely. But also getting out there, and for example, for me, i got to be more disciplined about physical activity, like going back to my sports in my background, is just working out and, and getting out there because some of the best ways to exert that vibration, that energy out of your body to reset yourself and get new energy is to expand all the stuff that is feeling so dark inside of you. So working out is a huge way to do that. Uh, as foofy as some people may think, think of it, meditation, if you're not into the, the ohms out loud, you can literally do meditations uh, in, your, in your head. You don't have to. And it's not about necessarily silence too. You can do binaural beats. I think I told you about binaural yeah, beats. So you can use um, certain sound waves to clear your head. So all of these different strategies, you can research them yourself, but there, you can get yourself out of those ruts. But also acknowledge that it's okay to feel that way for a brief period too, because it's how you become the closest to what makes you raw as a human being. The reason why we are evolved above other species is that it's our emotional capacity. So embrace that emotion. This guy doesn't do short answers. I should have known that. I walked right into it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna. It's I'm okay. gonna work. The next one will be quick. The next one will be quick. Advice to your 20 year old self. Oh my goodness. <laughs> is uh, this gonna be a long? Answer? No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> 
uh, cut back the swagger. <laughs> oh, you had so much swagger. Oh, God. I had swagger. Yeah. I think, yeah, cut back the swagger. <laughs> yeah, cut back the swagger and, and, and start to really dial in to the people you're connecting with because it didn't happen for me right away, right? Um, there was a lot of, and I think it was a defense mechanism. I was using um, swagger as a way of um, putting a veil above myself. So cut that, that stuff out and really uh, remember what actually matters. You know, yeah. the things that are truly important. And at the time, as a 20-year-old, I'm sure the things that were important are much different now as a 32-year-old. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So, we got, I got three more. Sure. These ones are kind of confusing. So, I apologize if you have to think about them a no, little no, bit. No, no, That's fine. What's one thing that you do that people think is crazy, and why do you do it? Oh, wow. Well, this is an easy one. It's I know it keeping, is. <laughs> keeping that Excel. Oh, Keeping. see, that's not what I think. What I thought the answer would be. Interesting. I'm curious as to what you thought. But you can tell me <laughs> Probably like, have something um, to do with some of these conspiracies. Oh, well, there's that. But that's totally unrelated to, to, to what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but no, honestly. Um, the spreadsheet. The spreadsheet. It, uh, you can use a standard CRM system or a piece of software to yeah. tell, but it's the discipline behind it. Um, I was going to ask about that. How do, you, how, um, how do you stay so disciplined? So it depends. So, so I deliberately took a one month off of it to see yeah. how it would affect me. To see how, because I've been doing it since I built the business in 2012. So that's five years. Damn. So I took a month off. Um, how started, many rows is the spreadsheet? Oh, well, I, I do it by tabs by year. Oh, okay, okay. Right? So after 2012 and 2013 starts, then I start a new thing. Smart. That makes um, sense. But it's all color-coded based on production activities, uh, networking and emails, and administration tasks. And so it's so that I can look at by year-end and see how many, how many rows are green, meaning administration, how many are actual production, which is blue, and how many are orangey-yellow, which is emails, conversations. And I use that as a way of looking back on the year and saying how I invested my my time because currently we don't have a way of you know time traveling but uh, as somebody who's obsessed with time travel and back to the future and all that stuff you never know but for now I'm able to look back and say how did I invest my time yeah. and was it the best use of my time and it's also a great way of keeping yourself disciplined and saying no it's important to me that I do this so that I continue this going forward no one told me I had to do this but I started it and I just didn't stop so this month so I'm, I'm getting back I'm starting back into it in August um, after I've done sort of my cleanse of it to see what, and you know what? I found that in the month off, I haven't liked it. I actually mm. like having it there as a throwback. I don't get me wrong. All the things I took as a month off, I actually still have cataloged. They're on my phone and they're in Good. very brief synopsis so that I can go back and add yeah. everything back in. And that's going to take me some time. It's going to take yeah. about two hours to get everything back in. Um, but I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. Do you have, um, I wonder if I could ask you for like a template or something Absolutely. like that. I obviously I don't want need the the information inside sure. it, although I'm sure I'd love it. <laughs> but oh, I can but just the like a template that I could link to or something like that, so sure. people could see. Okay, the tabs are set up by year, and you've got these columns sure. on each one of the tabs, sure. and that would be amazing. I can I can totally just build one out based on what I have, and then there you go. That would be incredible. Yeah, yeah, I I would use that absolutely. Sweet. Sweet. What is the most interesting conversation you've had lately? Not including this one. <laughs> wow. Interesting conversation. Yeah. Uh, I would say I actually have some of the most interesting conversations with my wife. I, I got that. Yeah. I totally got that. Yeah, like her and I, some of our favorite things to do is like sit back with a glass of wine and just talk about how things work. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. To get back to the conspiracy theory thing, there's a lot of, uh, we call it critical thinking that we like to do um, about the world, about the economy, about 
um, the fact that we live in this type of society that we do, where you where you do something for a dollar amount, and then your time is based on that dollar amount, and, and somebody gives you a financial uh, token saying this is how much your time is worth, it seems odd, considering we're such an empathetic race, that that is how we structure society. And I have this, you want this, you pay me this to get this. So this is actually why I have never been driven by the financial aspect of my business, although it's proven to be successful, it's never been about that. So really digging deep into those kinds of conversations of how could we approach the world in a different way. There's a lot of talk about universal basic income. Mm -hmm. uh, guys like Mark Zuckerberg are talking about that. Say what you want as, for, as far as motivation, but it's interesting. The second you take away people worrying about the financial strain of having to keep their lights on, it means that they can follow their passion. And ultimately what I'm trying to do in my speaking is show people that you can follow your passion by utilizing your network. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, what's I going to say there? Hmm, not coming to me. <laughs> I think I'm getting tired. Okay. <laughs> um, last question. Sure. What do people never ask you, but you wish they would? Wow. That's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> They're thinkers. Yeah, no, this is, this is the thing. Uh, never ask me, but I wish they would. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would say maybe people never... Or maybe, maybe you wish more people would ask you about something in particular. Yeah, I don't know. I think people, when it comes to being having a disability, people get really nervous about asking me any questions around that. I wish that people felt more comfortable to be vulnerable and ask those types of questions. Now, granted... Instead of going to... Yeah, going to Google. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and asking and asking it for advice. Um, that's a great way of actually segueing and saying that if you know somebody who has a disability or perhaps someone who doesn't or may have an invisible one, if you feel like you want to be able to accommodate them, just ask them personally. Don't feel like you have to walk on eggshells. Um, that would be great advice because there's a lot of people that, yeah, they maybe get offended by you asking, but for example, one thing I don't want people to do is come up and just start pushing me and that happens all the time. Like I'm in public, I'm wheeling with my, my earbuds in and like literally downtown Vancouver and all of a sudden I'm going up a hill and people are just like starting pushing me and I look behind me thinking it might be a friend and it's totally a stranger. And I'm like, oh, hi, can I help you? Yeah, and I'm like, can I help you? And it's like, oh no, I saw you going up the hill, just giving you a hand. If I did that to you as somebody walking, you'd be like, am I being assaulted right now? I have no idea what's <laughs> Let happening. Let me give you a push. Right, so, so there is a balance to, to asserting yourself into a situation, yeah. but literally, if you want somebody to be the most comfortable with you, lay all the cards on the table and just ask those questions, those tough questions. And you may sometimes not get favorable answers, but at least you had the balls to ask. I, I don't even know how to end that any better. That, yeah, I mean, the mic, awesome. the mic is lapeled, so I can't do the mic drop, but, but boom. Yeah. Perfect. Drop. Cool, man. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you for your time. You're thank fucking you. awesome. Yeah. I, um, plug, what, what do you, plug your, your website, sure. whatever. It's, All right. it's yours. So instead of saying the cuprincipal.com, because that's confusing for people, they spell it principal. Uh, you can go to Marco Pasqua. <laughs> yeah, you can go to marcopasqua.com and I'll take you to the same information if they want to learn more about me. 
Um, and other than that, if you're interested in learning about the President's Group or even some of the work that I'm doing in technology, which we didn't really get to touch on that today. With Sean. Um, with Sean, but Sean is my business partner. Do you partner. want to plug him? Yeah, I will plug Sean, actually. I will plug Reality Controls. We do uh, motion. Is that .com? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. RealityControls.com. And look into the work that we're doing. We're doing a lot in uh, now the accessibility space, but we started out doing motion and voice control, augmented virtual reality, mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff across the spectrum. Look into Reality Controls. We would love to work with you as well. So marcopasco.com, realitycontrols.com, and for the President's Group, if you're interested in learning about inclusive employment, which is awesome, yeah. accessibleemployers.ca. Not presidentsgroup.com, accessibleemployers.ca. Perfect. We'll put all that in the show notes, and uh, that's it for me, man. I Thanks. really, really appreciate your Thank time. You. Um, that was an incredible interview. Sweet. Thank you, everyone, for your time, for your attention, most of all. I know these uh, can be kind of long, but uh, I find that that's the, the way that I'm able to get the most good stuff. Um, if you enjoyed it, let us know. I'm sure Marco would like to know. I would like Love to it. know. Danny would like to know. Everybody involved in putting this show together, <laughs> Sarah included, would love to know. Um, questions, I'm sure Marco would be very happy Love to, to answer. Uh, answer them in the comments section on Twitter. I'm sure you can find him uh, via his website, etc., etc., etc. It just, it lets us know that you're engaged, you're interested, and it's, it is, um, it's the fuel that, that keeps that fire burning. So I appreciate it, and we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. See ya. Yeah.